If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again. Got a serious head nod going on right now. my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars. Murder. We'll be living here today. The flag still stands for freedom. And they can't take that away. Melvin, I'm all teary. <laughs> way, to, way to bring down the show right before it starts, right? Well, I just wanted to remind you guys, despite the foreign films you picked, <laughs> we are acting America. That's got them, right. We're Americans. And, and, right. and for the people listening, Joe gave us you know a little bit of a nod early on saying, you know, get your hankies ready. I thought I was going to be crying, but instead I've got semen all over my legs after that. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful intro. So, thanks, thanks for the heads up, Joe. It's it's always awkward, spontaneously ejaculating over patriotic songs, but but, but it is a good way to start the show. Perfect, absolutely perfect. All right, now patriotism. All right, <laughs> here we are at Silva and Gold, and as you may have already noticed, I am not loaf, nor am I Zom. My name is Joseph Ignatius Cosby, and this is bonus episode. 243? Is it three or is it two? 302 Pooty. 302 Pooty. Bonus yeah. episode of Silver and Gold. And we welcome you aboard and my fellow hosts this fine, fine afternoon. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't date ourselves since, since we won't know when this is going to air anyway. But to my internet left, we have Jacob McLarge-Huge and... The easy lover himself, <laughs> Mr. Keith Squars, as we say in the South. Number one Phil Collins fan of all time. That's right. Jakey, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It's it's a pleasure to uh, talk to you again, Joe, and it's a pleasure to uh, speak to Keith Skype to Skype for the first time. It's yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling guys, good. I'm feeling spent. You guys are breaking my hymen with this show. <laughs> You're, you're gently broken, Hyman aside. How are you doing, Keith? All right. Um, be better once I finish this beer. Excellent. Excellent. I'm about halfway through my second one now, so I might become more belligerent as the show goes along. That just makes for a good good show, though. <laughs> you, ever, you, ever, you ever listen to those uh, uh, drunken um, commentaries that the South Park guys do on their movies? Ooh. No. They, 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 it's it, pretty much every film they do, like the Cannibal and Musical and Orgasmo. They always have a drunken audio track where like people from the movie get drunk while they watch it, and, and you know the further it goes on, the crazier it gets. It's pretty pretty entertaining. I was burned pretty bad by basketball, so I kind of lost my faith in them after that. Orgasmo is oh. a classic, though. Oh, I haven't seen that. I did like the South Park movie, and uh, Team America had a lot of promise that didn't really uh, hold good to. I thought. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly, you know, <laughs> and uh, but you know, I haven't seen much of the show to be completely honest with you. Yeah, yeah, no, not, much yeah I'm not really into the show either. I mean, when it, was, when it first came out, it was pretty interesting for a while, and it, you know, I do like how they lampoon stuff. But uh, yeah, I just I don't know. I'm just kind of over TV as it is. I don't really watch any television to be honest. It's just all movies. 
Well, that's the hip thing to do. I still don't watch TV. I don't. Well, I, I don't even know what Breaking Bad is. Shit. I've no, I've, dude, I watched three episodes and couldn't get into it. Sorry. <laughs> Jacob, are you over TV as well? I am absolutely not over TV. I'm uh, I'm one of its uh, biggest proponents, I guess you could say, if, if, if there could be such a thing. Um, you know, I, I might even talk about damages on what I've been watching, but I watch Spartacus. I've been catching up on damages. I'm getting caught up on Breaking Bad. I've got both seasons of Strike Back, Waiting in the Wings. I mean, I'm I'm in it to win it. Damages, that's with Glenn Close. I, think, I didn't know they were still doing that show. Uh, they're still, not. She's still alive? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she looks good. Um, <laughs> no, they, uh, they lasted for about three seasons on FX, and then I think Dish Network picked them up for the last two seasons. And uh, the final season, season five, came out on DVD a couple weeks ago. Um, and I'm getting ready to get into that. I finished the fourth season and had a... Uh, John Goodman and Dylan Baker as like the uh kind of guest uh people and it was fucking good. <laughs> it was I, I love I love television. I love it. Keith You know the last the last T V show that I was ever really to get into where I sat and watched every single episode, followed it religiously, was The Shield. Mm. And that to me, that was like probably one of the best shows of all time. Like, uh, mm-hmm. dude, I mean, the season where they had Forrest Whitaker and he's trying oh. to take down the big. Oh, dude! I mean, are you Perfect. kidding me? In 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 the ending, I'm not gonna blow it, but the ending mm-hmm. is just like the perfect ending to any series. Just perfect, man. Like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's just, there's just so many great moments in that, you know, where, uh, you know, I don't know, that and Homicide Life on the Street, but that's now mm-hmm. I'm kind of dating myself on that one. Ah, fuck that. I mean, here's the thing, though. Even if, like, you know, you're you're kind of out of your TV phase, if you ever get back into it, you'll have, mm-hmm. like, a massive windfall of amazing shit to get into. Dude, so at I'm least there's that to fall back on. Yeah. I'm still trying to catch up on all, all of my movies, man. I'm, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. I've done 400 and... 32 so far this year. Damn. Yeah, and and uh, kind of burn out sometimes. Like you know, go through like a week sometimes where I'm just like, fuck this, you know. Like I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't, don't want to watch shit, you know. And uh, not a big gamer anymore either. Uh, but I have been playing Borderlands 2 lately, which is pretty fun. But, uh-huh. uh, yeah, but like yeah, you say, I'm just there's just so much stuff that I haven't seen, and, and it's 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 what's really cool is like. And also frustrating when you're doing this many films is, you know, it's just like an onion, you know, the more layers you peel off, the more you're like, oh, you watch something like this, and then, you know, with all the groups that were on stuff, and people were like, oh, man. You... <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I thought you said onions. Oh, I did say onions. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, just it's just, there's just so much, just, the more you see, the more you realize there's more you need to see, and it's almost kind of frustrating mm-hmm. at certain points. Yeah. That's why it's a lifestyle. It never really ends. It's, you know, it's a marathon, not a race, blah, blah, blah. You know, all that well, shit. Yeah. I think the last show I kept up with was Cop Rock. Ooh. <laughs> That's I definitely I not bo- dating you. I saw both episodes. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you a big fan of Glee, too? <laughs> I have not seen any Glee, I'm proud to say. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Oh, well, you're missing out. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, as Lee Greenwood might have tipped you off, uh, we all love America, and so we're going to cover two foreign movies yeah. today. We got The Blue Jean Monster, coming at you from 1991, directed by Kai Ming Lai, if I'm not butchering that in my truly American way. You can just go with Ivan Lai. 
Or Ivan Lie, uh, Ted Lie. It's funny, too, because I have a book, and they list him as Jimmy Lee in that book, too. So, <laughs> three names. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and, and the other flick we're going to cover is Acacia, or so Keith has led me to believe to pronounce, from 2003, directed by Ki Hyung Park, a.k.a. Leroy, from South <laughs> Korea. <laughs> uh, are, are there many Leroy's in South Korea? Tons. I think that's the most common name. Yeah. <laughs> Leroy Moon, Leroy Kim, yeah. That's right. Leroy We're off to a great start already. I'm proud of We're this show. A fanta- it's, it's just flowing so well. I know. And that, well, let's segue into, uh, Jake, what have you been watching this last week or so? Ah, oh, shit. Um, well, it, I, I, ever since I kind of stopped doing my podcast, I haven't really kept up on what I've been watching each week, so it's just a big jumble of messing up. In my brain, my thoughts. But um, yesterday I watched Gravity. Uh. Um, it's a it's a romantic comedy with um, George Clooney and Sandra Bullock. It's uh, oh no, man, it's fucking good. Um, I saw it in a 3D. You know, forked over the extra money for it, and it it, it at the very least it looks fucking amazing. Just gorgeous. And I, I wish, I know this argument is never really going to end. It's always going to continue on in some way, shape, or form. But, you know, the whole, you know, anti-3D, anti-CG shit. I mean, you know, you, you can dislike its poor implementation, but just as, you know, as, as a tool in the toolbox, I mean, when it works, it's fucking amazing. And gravity is just really, really good. Um, have either of you guys seen it yet? No, I haven't. I've been I've been dying to see it, and uh, it'd probably be my first 3D movie because I have never seen a movie in 3D. I'm one of those haters. Mm. I'll, uh, yeah, I haven't seen Gravity, but I will. Uh, I will. Uh, will say that I agree with you as far as uh, CG is good when it's not used for evil. I mean, I'm <laughs> again. I'm gonna throw back uh, a few years, but I mean, the first movie I saw with Gary Sinise in it was uh, the first time I saw Gary Sinise, is what I'm trying to say, was in Forrest Gump, and I thought that fucker didn't have legs. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so when it's used right, it can be used effectively. I agree. It's just when you have, like, I don't know, that what was that fucking shit, Ninja Assassin, where all the blood was CG, oh, yeah. and yeah. Yeah. Oh, severed limbs, and blah, blah, blah. Was, that wasn't great at all. Was, yeah, and I mean, with, with gravity, at least in regards to the CG in two a lesser extent, the 3D, like the movie as exists now, just could not have been realized with it. Because, I mean, the CG is used incredibly in that movie. And then with the 3D, the 3D, I mean, if you're going to use it to, you know, heighten sense of isolation and depth and, you know, uh, um, kind of scale, I mean, this works as well as I've ever seen it ever. And it's probably because it's a relatively spare film uh, in some regards. You know, it, I, it allows I, I, you to soak it in. I heard there's not a lot of dialogue in it. Uh, yeah, I mean, after a certain point, there really isn't. But uh, I'll, I don't know how long the movie is, but it moves along really, really well. It uh, doesn't feel like there's a wasted moment. There, there are a couple moments I can see people kind of mumbling and grumbling with. But, I mean, it's it's a... It's a fantastic film. The one thing I'll say about it, though, is that when I walked away from it, I didn't really have an urge to see it again. Um, Not because it's poor or anything, but it just felt like one of those movies where it's just an experience more than anything. Like, you can, and it's, 
it's unfair to compare Gravity with 2001, but with 2001, there's a lot to mull over. There's a lot to mm-hmm. digest. I mean, Gravity is just a purely visceral experience, you know, and everything is, you know, focused on that, whether it be emotionally, viscerally, or, you know, just that sinking feeling in your gut, the tension, the, the um, uh, fear and everything. And it almost feels like once you experience that, you've experienced it. I don't know how well it's going to hold up on uh, repeat viewings, but I mean, shit, it was, I, I was very, very impressed with it. How do you think it'll translate to blue, like on the small screen and whatnot? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think it'll still translate really well because it's still an excellent film, but I think, I think there is going to be something lost when you're in a dark theater and it's almost, it feels like it's almost surrounding you. You know what I mean? Where, you know, all of your vision is taken up by this giant fucking movie screen. Um, but I mean, like even with back to Kubrick, even with something like The Shining, the first time I ever saw it was, in a theater and it was terrifying and I haven't had that same experience, you know, watching it on blue or watching it on DVD. Uh, but it's still excellent. So, I mean, you know, you're still going to watch a great film, but I do think there's going to be something lost in the translation. Uh, that's yeah, definitely something that I want to see in the theater. I mean, yeah. I mean, as far as far as like, I mean, theater experience. I think that's true just about any film. I mean, there's something about going into a dark theater, sitting down, watching the giant screen. You know that you don't quite get at home. You know, you, you, obviously it's kind of balanced out with the comforts of home. You know, if I want to pause the movie because I need to go do something, it's not an issue or you know anything like that. But um, you know, plus I hate having to sneak beer in the movie theaters, but you know, <laughs> and if I'm at home, I can just, you know, drink up and, you know, watch a cheesy movie and not worry about it, you know, mm. but, um, but yeah, no, that's definitely something that I've, that I've, uh, it's actually playing at my local theater. I just haven't gotten my, my ass up yet to go see it, but it's definitely, definitely something that I'm going to, going to see very soon. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it made it's it's projected to make like fifty five million this weekend. So I don't think it's going to go anywhere anytime soon. Thankfully, and I and I definitely know what you mean about The Shining. I actually, uh, my love for The Shining was acquired through DVD and before that uh, VHS, and then many years later, I actually saw it. I think it was at a Warner Brothers Film Festival on the big screen, and it was almost like an entirely different experience for me. Like when Danny's going through the hallways on his big wheel yeah. and such, it just I mean, you really can't appreciate it to its full extent unless you see it on the big screen. It's just awesome. And the opening helicopter shots in the beginning, Uh, just great stuff. Yeah, I I remember, it's funny, like, I get this way sometimes with movies, and it happened with The Shining. I didn't see it till I was maybe 21, and it was one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, this is recognized as a great film. It's so great. It's been talked up enough that in my head it's like, okay, this is a great film, so I don't feel like the need to see it. I'm like, oh, that film, that's great. And it just doesn't really enter into my head. Uh, but, you know, it just happened to be playing, you know, at a, at a, at a local art theater and I ran in and I saw it and I was like, fuck me, I'm an idiot. I should have seen this hell of a lot sooner, but. Oh, it's, <laughs> it, yeah, it's great too. And, and, you know, I, uh, King has always had a big problem with it, with that, with Kubrick's version, but, mm-hmm. and, uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure he changed some stuff around. I don't think I've read The Shining. I've read a lot of King's work, but I don't think that's. I don't think I've read that specific one. I've read it. It is different than the movie, but the movie's brilliant. Oh. I mean, the book's really good, too. It's just, mm-hmm. I think what he didn't like was the transition of Jack Torrance. Uh, in the book, he was a, a likable guy who slowly turned insane. In the movie, he kind of starts off. Kind of a dick. Kind of, yeah. 
a, a, a bit of a dick. <laughs> but, uh, you know, then you see The Shining, and you think you've seen the end-all to be-all, but then they made that TV move, and you're like, wow, this is even better. And that dude from Wings, he just takes the ball and runs with it. That's, just, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, I used to watch Wings a lot, speaking of TV. I used to, used to be a show I used to watch when I was a kid. Yeah. Tony, Tony, Tony Shalhoub was in that, and actually uh, another TV show that I do uh, do like watching when I catch it is Monk. Oh, yeah. that okay. totally fucking reminded me. I actually watched two other films this week. Yeah, I was gonna oh, end nice. it with Gravity. <laughs> I watched. Um, I, I went. I went. I got a Red Box special. I picked up um the new Star Trek film, and I picked up Pain and Gain. Um, I watched Star Trek Into Darkness, and I really liked the first one. Um, the newer one. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just I kept watching. I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I just kept saying that over and over. And it's not for uh, a lack of explanation. It was just like people were doing weird shit and reacting in weird ways. And I found well, out I was that, saying that I was saying the same thing while I was watching Blue Jean Monster. <laughs> well, <laughs> two different two different goals entirely. <laughs> but um, I don't know. There was something. There's something about it that felt lacking. But I don't know. I wish I could expound on it more. But I think it's just because I don't like um, Damon Lindelof. Um, but it, I, I did read an interesting article about how um, the movie may or may not be a giant allegory for uh, truthers and. You know uh, uh, how nine eleven was an inside job and shit like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, apparently the one of the co-writers of the movie he's like really really big into conspiracy theories. Like I don't know if he honestly Ooh. believes them or he just like you know is kind of fascinated by them. But um, it was over on badassdigest.com, uh, which is a website that I don't normally put much stock in, but I thought it was interesting enough, just an interesting look at it. Because at least there's some kind of um, history of the writer being, you know, gravitating towards that, and uh, he backs it up a little bit. I don't know. Um, Into Darkness, uh, it was okay. I can't say much more for it though. Uh, beginning of October, dude, I just started kind of going on a horror delve, and I haven't seen a lot of stuff just because I kind of grew up in a conservative household, and my parents wouldn't really let me watch movies like that, but the big irony is, though, is they made me watch The Thing and Alien when I was, like, 11 years old, so, like... <laughs> hey, when they did have you watch something, they had you watch something good, then. Yeah. No, they always had... My parents have good taste in movies, but they... My, you cannot get them to watch a foreign film for the life of me. <laughs> good. This is Murphy. Yep. Mm. But anyway, so, here here we go. This is what I watched. Uh, actually, this morning, I, I, I watched Carnival of Souls for the first time, mm. which is actually oh, really man. damn good. Oh yeah, um, and I like how the the, the, the it's funny because I had one of those great epiphany moments after I finished watching it, and I was kind of getting irritated with the the main character, main actress. Uh, I can't remember his Candace something. Uh, Bergen. <laughs> Candace Bergen. No, Murphy <laughs> <R>. Brown. <laughs> I used to watch that show when I was a kid. I used to always like her uh, house painter, or is it uh, Eldon or something like that? Uh, okay. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Stewart <laughs> um, left you high and dry there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, uh, I, I you know it's funny. It's like I was kind of getting irritated with her character, but when when you finally hit the final act and you, you get the whole you know the ending, it like it totally makes sense for her to be as off putting and as um, what would be the word just uh, just disconcer- disconcerting that she is. Like she doesn't really have any like 
good interactions with people throughout the whole film. If you watch, like, her interactions with their character, it's like, she's just kind of strange and weird. She, she doesn't really know how to talk to communicate to people. And when you get to the last finale, it's just like, okay, that totally makes sense, and it goes with it, and it just totally adds to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and the visuals in it, man. Like, dude, the, some of the scenes where she's like walking up to the carnival and stuff. The, the, there's this one shot. It's just, it's just a great shot, a flat out great shot. And that, to me, that always brings a, a level of class to, you know. And it's, it basically what it is like, what '50s, '60s B movie. But it's actually really, really damn good. I was really impressed with it. Oh, nice. it's a classic. I love that movie. Yeah, and that was the first. Yeah, it is. And then, um, (laughs) then I watched uh, Pumpkinhead last night. Oh, I watched Pumpkinhead last night. Did you? (laughs) Yeah. It came across it on streaming, and I was like, "Fuck it, dude!" Like, I haven't seen this in a long time. Um, I got to say, one of the best creature designs. Mm. Oh my god! You know, agreed. Um, in in the lighting, in the the just the way it's filmed, and the shots of the monster are just perfect. I don't think the film is as good as the monster, though. Sure, uh, I, it, I agree it, with that. Yeah, it, it it's it's kind of like it. It feels like it doesn't really it kind of rushes itself along. It doesn't really have time to develop. The opening, though, I really like the the, the ending, the beginning with the creepy ass lady and the and the voodoo thing or whatever that she does. That all that 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 whole intro is just fantastic, and then it just kind of feels like it's slasher film after that, you know. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's not fun, and I do love the film, but I, I, I just don't think it's quite on the level of like you know horror masterpiece or anything like that. It's just it's really good, not not necessarily great. That's. And Lance Henriksen's always reliable. You know, I, we threw it on last night. Actually, my I was watching movies with a bunch of buddies and. Going through Netflix, he's like, "Hey, let's watch uh, what was it fucking called? Uh, Halloween uh, tonight or some shit." And like, as soon as like the credits started, it said an asylum film. I was like, "Nope," and turned it off. And I'm like, I said, "We're gonna watch fucking Pumpkinhead. It has Lance Henriksen in it." And yeah, it was it was better than I remembered. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, and I was like, I mean, it's pretty straightforward, very simple. But as yeah, far as very... a revenge film, a monster film, it was great. I loved it. No, it's a, it's a good film. I'm just you know, this, my gripes get battered are very minor. Uh, one thing I will say, though, that, that Netflix version that I watched last night was in HD, mm-hmm. and the other two times that I've seen Pumpkinhead, I watched it, and it was, it was a terrible print. It was very dark, you know. So it was really cool watching it last night. It gave me more appreciation for it, because that, that cut that's playing on Netflix right now, it's in HD, and it's really clear and nice. And that was the first time I noticed, and oh, I maybe spoiler alert, that Pumpkinhead yeah. kind of looks like Lance Hendrickson at the end. I never yeah, noticed I that before. Yeah, yeah, he does. I noticed that. that I, I caught that too last night. That his face changes. I was like watching it, and I was like, his face is different than it was before. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't. Right on. All what right, else then you watch Maniac Cop. Oh, oh, nice, lovely. Yeah, first time for me on that one as well. Oh, does the first one I, have Bruce Campbell too, or just the second one? The first one has Campbell in it. Okay. He's kind of not really in it in the beginning, but then he kind of shows up. And, I, I really want to make a great observation about this film, but I can't really <laughs> totally spoil it. But uh, let's just say the guy that plays the bad guy, it, um, it kind of blew it for me that who the bad guy was, because I was looking at pictures online, you know, uh, of Maniac Cop, and they, I was looking at the posters for two and three, and you can't not know who that is by looking at the movie <laughs> posters. For two and three. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to camouflage your bad guy when he's got that look, you know. Like, <laughs> try not to spoil it, but. 
Um, yeah, so that, it, that kind of blew it for me in a way, but still, like, dude, that movie's fun as hell, dude. Like, it, it's just, it's just fun, you know? No, a little fun fact about that movie. He didn't wear any makeup in that. That's actually his face. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of a Mystery Science 33,000 episode I watched where that guy, they referred to him as like, oh, he, he's got a catcher's mitt for her face. Oh, for yeah. fuck's sake, it's Robert Sadar. If you haven't seen Maniac Cop <laughs> yet, you should be ashamed of yourself. All right, anybody forward your hate mail to Joe. Uh, That's right. That Son of a bitch. Spoiled it. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, then I got I got a lot of them. I watched Salem's a lot for the first time. Nice, nice. Um, really good, really damn good for especially for a TV movie, man. I mean, it, the creepy the creepy level and the atmosphere in, in that is just through the roof. the The house itself, the set they use for that house is just fucking perfect, dude. Like, uh, and uh, you know, David Soul be the main guy in there um, with his kind of seventies half mullet, half. I don't know. He kind of he kind of looks like he kinda, he's kind of got the Danny Bonaducci uh, haircut Ooh. from back in the seventies. Ooh, nice. But uh, he still rocks it though. And uh, no, actually, like it's a long movie, and I had to break it up. But like it actually, but when by the time you get to the end, man, it's that the the last scene is actually pretty emotionally impacting. I thought I actually really dug it. Yep. I All right. Sure. Plus, it has the dude from uh, Every Which Way But Loose. <laughs> Always a plus. What's his name? Uh, the the mechanic Isn't brother. Porn? Isn't that a porno? It is. <laughs> Any followed by any which way you can in the can. You know, the what can. I always, you know what I always noticed about about Clint Eastwood movies though. Did you notice that every single Clint Eastwood film from you know back in the day? Who's his wife? I can't think of her name right now. Uh, Lori skinny, something. Skinny, skinny blonde lady. That's in. She's in Gauntlet and she's in. Um, Fuck. She's in the dirt. One of the Dirty Harrys. She kind of looks like just, she kind of looks like the girl Gelfling from the Dark Crystal. Sandra Locke. Sandra Locke. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Do you notice that she gets like raped in every single? <laughs> well, you know, it was a different time, and was Clint Eastwood into like uh, you know, the cuckold or whatever, you know? Was <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, honey, for this scene, you know, slap her around a little bit. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, we, we all got to exercise our demons somehow. Mine's okay. shouldn't. You shouldn't throw any stones. Your movie had uh, some good raping in it. <laughs> well, you know. Keys. Mm. <laughs> that, was, that was shocking. I was like, wait, well, this movie's going to... Well, we should save it for that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next one is... Uh, and I got it off of, like one of those little cheap 15 movie packs, and the, ter- and the video quality was terrible. But it was actually pretty good as Horror Express with uh, Cushing and uh, Christopher Lee and... Mm. Telly Savalas and the best ten minutes that Telly Savalas has probably ever been in a film. <laughs> <laughs> and he's only in it for ten minutes, but he absolutely steals it. It, okay. it, it. It's really cool. It's like it's kind of like I got. I love that whole monster in a box concept. You know, like from the, the Twilight Zone film. Remember mm-hmm. yeah, that uh, that episode with the, the the monster that's in the box that's under the stairs. Oh, wait, that's talking about Creep Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. 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 What did I say? Uh, uh, I like Twilight Zone. Yeah, I'm You're sorry. talking about the crate, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the crate. Um, and it's kind of like the first half of that movie is kind of like the crate, and then the second half is kind of like the thing. And it's actually like the premise is really interesting, and, and I wish I would have seen a better cut because there's a lot of scenes that are dark in it. And when you're watching like the – it's like a Mill Creek type set or whatever like that, you know, on something like that. And you get those dark scenes and the picture quality is terrible. It's like you can't really tell what the hell is going on. Yeah. But uh, good film, 
And then I watched Friday the 13th, the final chapter, just because it's the mm. best of the, fin- of the 13th in my book. And the twins are hot as hell. And, <laughs> and Corey Haim, you know, it's, Cor- it's Corey Haim's Corey Haim, I guess. Feldman? Or, oh, yeah, Feldman. <laughs> was Feldman. Yeah, get, yeah. Your, get your fucking Corey's right, I swear to God. <laughs> you know I always get mixed up for some reason is Lee Marvin and James Coburn. I always, I always get those get, two mixed up for some weird reason. I always get James Coburn and Corey Haim mixed up. <laughs> they, well, yeah, because they made movies in the same era and they look so much alike. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they both had drug problems, though, didn't they? Wow, that was a lot longer than I thought. Uh, that, right, I gotta, that's just that joke was just served up on a silver platter, right there. <laughs> but uh, you know, you know, the final chapter is actually one of my favorite in the series too. I think mm-hmm. Jason just seems much more—I don't know, like this is going to kind of sound silly, but kind of more aggressive in, in that, that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. It's it a little bit more of edge. They don't really no show him at all. The only thing I noticed about it watching it this time again is they don't really show him at all in the first half of the film. You just see his hand or his arm or his leg, you know, whatever. But you don't actually really see the mask or anything. And that was actually, that was the first unveiling of the Jason mask, wasn't it, if I'm correct? Uh, that was the third one. Third one, yeah. The yeah. third unveiling? Yeah, the third one, because the fat kid uh, was wearing it, and he was, like, pranking people with it, and he got, like, the spear gun, and uh, as soon as he got shot with the spear gun, Jason picked up the mask. And... Oh, okay. But I think that was that was kind of a, the third one had kind of a shitty hockey mask. I can't remember how it looked in the fourth one. That might be why you think... That might be like the no. I mean, I mean the the, the, the fourth one. Uh, it wasn't when they first took his mask off and they showed his face without the mask. Oh, was that? What That's what I meant. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I think we saw it for a second in the second one. Maybe I, I can't quite recall. I thought there was always a big Jason unveiling at the end. Well, the, not in the first one, obviously. Well, not in the first one. In the second one, he had a potato sack. Yeah. Yeah, but I thought we saw it for a second. But uh, it's been a it's been a while. You might. Well, it does. Technically, show his face in the first one when he pulls her out of the boat. Yeah, as a little kid or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Then I watched Frogs with the mustacheless uh, <laughs> Sam Elliott. Lovely. And it's weird because it's called Frogs, but like, and I, and I was wondering when I threw it in, I was like, how are frogs going to kill people? Like, they don't even have no teeth. You know, like, what what the hell are frogs going to do? And I did really think there was a missed opportunity in this because they kind of build up with the whole environmental, like, you know, the, you're destroying the environment and it's creating these problems and this and that. I wanted a giant fucking frog at the end, dude, like Sam Elliott battling a giant frog at the end. And that didn't happen, so I was kind of disappointed. I, it, it's hard to believe a movie like that wasn't made back then with, with that kind of budget. <laughs> Just have a giant frog running run amok. Well, have you seen Hell Comes to Frogtown? <laughs> is that even a real film? Oh yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Roddy Piper's in it. Does he actually fight frogs in it though? <laughs> I think so. I think it's like a post-apocalyptic movie. Oh shit! There's really no frogs, so I'm not gonna fucking watch it then. Fuck you, Roddy Piper. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and frogs too. That's the, the thing about it. There's really no frog kills in it. Oh, it, it's tra- there's tarantulas, there's alligators, there's all sorts of different things, but frogs really don't do anything. <laughs> they just kind of hop around. <laughs> that's about it. And then one, of them gets, one of them gets into a piece of cake that's like an American flag, which is totally sacrilegious and kind of pissed me off. <laughs> you know, because of America and everything. He had, mm-hmm. he had to face 
a flag like that. We'll put a boot in your ass. <laughs> it's the American way. Uh. <laughs> that was beautiful timing. I like that. And then that, that same day, I did a double feature. I watched Frogs and I watched the original Piranha. Oh, which is oh, yeah. damn good. Mm-hmm. Damn good. Um, Who's the guy that plays a scientist in that man? I see, I catch him in, in everything. And then, the, and there's also another character in there, the guy that plays Bud. He's in uh, Gremlins. He's David freaking Fontino? in. Anna. I'm not sure if that's his name. He's got that. I don't know. Screw it. Uh, but yeah, he's in everything. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was uh, Joe Dante directed it. He's in pretty much every Joe Dante film. I can't. I don't know the guy's name though. Corey Haim. Uh, I know who you're talking about. I can't fucking remember his name. I'm sure there's like 17 people listening on the other end of this screaming at us. There's, yeah, I'm gonna look it up right now. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, no, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Like, uh, you got to give credit for a film too that will you know throw a bunch of prana with a bunch of kids. Yeah, that, oh, that, yeah. that scene is pretty, pretty uh, rough for back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife, for instance, she has a big time, hard time with like anything with like kids in peril and stuff like that, which is why she wouldn't go see prisoners with me. <laughs> but um, so I'm glad she wasn't around when I watched that one. Right on, right on. And okay, the Wolfman, which ah man, I wasn't feeling the Wolfman, dude. Wait, Wolfman, which which Wolfman? Lon, Lon Chaney. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, I mean that's kind of a yeah. Yeah, I, I feel you on that one. I respect it, but it's hard to really just kind of sit down and enjoy it. It's 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 just way too rushed. It's way too short. The best thing about it are the gypsies, and Bella Lugosi is the uh, <laughs> uh, uh, is the main gypsy, mm-hmm. and he's by the, the by and far the best thing about the film. Um, I thought, and I I don't know. I just I Lon Chaney. It just there's something that didn't make sense about it too. Is like. How does he get bit by a werewolf that turns him into a werewolf, but then he's a, he doesn't turn into a full werewolf himself. He's just a wolf man. Like, that didn't quite make sense. <laughs> I always preferred the werewolf to the full wolf man. Wait. Yeah, to the full... Wait. I prefer the, the, the werewolf that stands on two legs. You yeah. Pre- okay. As opposed to when he turns into, like, something that looks full like wolf. a dog. I just think the dog looks like... It's like, it's a fucking dog. I've been raised with dogs. I'm not scared of dogs. <laughs> Show me a monster. Show me, like, something like half man, half wolf. Half man, half hamster, whatever. Just have it be a monster. I can see dogs every day. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I uh, I watched Rosemary's Baby too for the first time. Ah, uh, lovely. Which That's a good. One. Is absolute classic, and it's mm-hmm. a, a total textbook definition of a slow burn. You know, mm-hmm. um, it just all builds up to that scene, and and when you finally get to that 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 last scene, oh man, it's just it just. It, it was one of those films you walk away from, you're just buzzing, you know, just like, mm-hmm. like, I didn't want to go to sleep, I didn't want to do anything, you know, I was just totally, like, stoked on it, you know, I couldn't stop thinking about it, wanted to call people up and be like, oh, <laughs> dude, you know, have you seen this movie? Oh, I just want to talk to you about it, you know. Um, but, yeah, absolute great film, and just creepy as fuck, dude, like, the the, the whole eating the raw meat, and, uh, just... <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, something my, my, my girlfriend actually watched. She was just, she's not normally one to watch old movies, you know, uninitiated. Uh, and she was just like, oh, I'm going to watch Rosemary's Baby. And uh, she walked away, like, really stoked about it. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a good fucking movie. Indeed. Yeah. And I think that's it for me. The only other thing I, I watched was G.I. Samurai. Ooh, oh, nice. Fred Williamson. No. 
<laughs> oh wait, that's GI Bro. I'm sorry. GI Bro. <laughs> now, I'm not making that up. GI Bro. It was obviously a retitle, but uh, I really thought we were talking about this Fred Williamson movie. I was getting uh, excited. No, no, it's a Sunny no, Chiba doing. This is Sunny Chiba film from the '70s. That's kind of like uh, the final. Is it the final countdown? Is the one where they send the, uh, the the aircraft carrier back in the past to fart World War World War One? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that same concept, um, except it's. Japanese, obviously, but it, the movie's a total mess. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, but it's strangely endearing in its own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sheba's great in it because you know it, it's that's what he is. But it, it, it's still kind of cool just watching the battle scenes in it. But even though they kind of stretch on a little bit longer than they should. Um, but yeah, just watching tanks and stuff against horse, like you know, old samurai <laughs> horses and. And swords and stuff is is kind of cool, and it's kind of gory too. It's got some good gory moments in it, some beheadings and stuff. Nice, yeah. nice, good shit. That's a good week right there, man. Yeah, that's 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 all I did. I actually started watching um, Town of Dread: Sundown today, but I had to stop it and record this. So I still need to see that. Uh, that I, I it you you I think you'll like it. It's not a it's not a bona fide classic, but. The thing that sticks out about me is that when I was a kid, every time I would go to the video store, I would always see the cover art for that, and I would always be too scared to get it because there's just something about the the the, the white sack or the, the white mask that just it gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, it's, it kind of reminded me of uh, the second uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same kind of little sack, which I'm pretty sure this came up before that. Yeah, yeah. So it's probably an influence on that. Yeah, if anybody knows Little Sack. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Joe, what have you been watching? <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention the uh, town that jutted Sundown as far as uh, video title covers you see growing up. I actually watched one last night, which was a video cover I'd seen for years in all the mom-pop shops I frequent, uh, Mountaintop Motel Massacre from 1986. Haven't seen Do you remember it. that one? No, I'm going to have to look that up. Oh, really? It was, it was, yeah, it's from 86. It's pretty good. I thought I'd seen it, but I guess I'd just seen parts of it. It was basically a bunch of idiots uh, at remote cabins out in the top of a mountain, hence the title, and the woman has kind of lost her gourd in six various forms of animals <laughs> on said people and then ends up just going through and trying to kill him with a sickle towards I, the end. I can see why you'd be attracted to this box art. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. It has her, like, uh, it's a, what is the tagline? Don't bother Evelyn. She already is. And she's looking, like, insane around the side of a door. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, please she's don't good disturb Evelyn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, please don't disturb Evelyn. That's right. It's <laughs> <laughs> beautiful stuff. I don't think I've ever seen that before. That's fucking awesome. It's on instant. It's oh, on nice. the watch. Nice. Yeah, it's, and the print's pretty pretty good too. And uh, I mean, it's just your typical slasher. Well, not completely typical. Has a little bit of a supernatural element to it, but uh, it's a it's a good it's a good eighties fun kind of ride. It has some funny stuff in it, and uh, I didn't find myself watching my wa- watching the clock, so that's always a plus. Mm, yeah, checking and, the time. Uh, checking the time, like, woo, when's this going to be over? <laughs> yeah, but I, uh, that, that's that's been that's the one disadvantage of doing so many films in one year. Yeah, you're just like, oh, is this over yet? <laughs> uh, in that same vein, also on Netflix Instant, uh, Satan's Little Helper, Ooh. which was uh, directed Ooh. by Jeff Lieberman, who you might remember, uh, this was from 2004, but many years ago he directed such classics as Just Before Dawn, Squirm, and Blue Sunshine, oh, which wow. I don't know if you've seen any of those, but this one is, uh, 
it's funny because it has such a cheap look. It looks like direct-to-video crap, which it, it might very well be direct-to-video. But uh, the movie is a lot of fun. It's real campy and kind of creepy. And um, it actually stars, uh, what's her name from Pulp Fiction? Is it Amanda Plummer? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Honey Bun or mm-hmm. Pumpkin, one of the two. And uh, in the movie, it's actually, yeah, it's actually pretty good. It does have an annoying little kid in one of the prominent roles. But uh, it was funny. The movie's not incredibly scary, but it's, like, fun in that kind of campy way. And I was, like, su- just surprised how much I was entertained by it. And, you know, I just watched Just Before Dawn a couple weeks before that. Have you? Have either of you seen that? Uh, no. No, I that was from early 80s, late 70s. Uh, a bunch of campers offed by, like, uh, uh, redneck hillbillies in the in the mountains. It's kind of your typical Jason ripoff slasher fare, but it was really good, too. And I don't know, Jeff Lieberman, he hasn't made a ton of movies, but he just has a really good eye. And, uh, yeah, I really, I can stand behind Satan's Little Helper. That's a good, fun watch, probably with Mountain Top Motel Massacre. So there you go. There's your evening plan on Netflix Instant. Nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> also, I watched uh, Madman from 1982, directed by Joe Giannone, I think his name is, hmm. uh, a.k.a. Madman Mars, uh, which is basically yet another kind of a Friday the 13th ripoff campers uh, hunted down by an urban legend, which starts with, of course, the old man of the campers telling a story around a campfire and this and that. And, hey, guys, don't do this. And, of course, one of the fucking idiot kids does it immediately. And then they're all hunted down by this... Uh, by this crazed uh, inbred in the woods. And again, it has its moments uh, that don't work, that fail. The ending, it really doesn't stick to the landing. The ending's really <laughs> cheesy. And there's this great love scene with two of the camp counselors where they're in a hot tub. And the camera is rotating 360. And, like, the campers are also rotating 360 in the Whoa. tub. They're, like, circling each other. And there's, like, this, like, like almost like... Uh, Gordon Lightfoot esque music playing in the background. <laughs> I remember looking at uh, Cassandra Cosby and I was like, "What the fuck are what, what the fuck were they thinking? This is the most ridiculous bullshit love scene." I mean, but other than that, it had some really creepy moments, and and it's just worth checking out. And uh, I think I actually got this in the gray market at Horror Hound, but it's good stuff. It's it's readily available, and you can see it anywhere. Uh, and speaking of which, I'm going to rant for a second. I also picked up The Mutilator at Horror Hound. And God damn it, that was the second season of The Wonder Years. It was. <laughs> so next, if I go to Horror Hound next, that guy's ass is mine. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing that out there. If you're listening, buddy, watch your back. Uh, great market. That said, Winnie Cooper's pretty hot. Anyway. Yeah. And then um, from 1979, uh, first time watch. Van Nuys Boulevard, directed by William Sachs, which is kind of a American graffiti-esque as told through the eyes of uh, Ralph Melf as opposed to Richie Cunningham. <laughs> and uh, it was okay. It was kind of a funny coming-of-age horseshit, a lot of titties. Just focus on the titties. You'll be all right. All right. Well, that's, you know, basic mantra in life. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and I also watched uh, Driller Killer, Starring and directed by Abel Ferrara from 1979. Abel Ferrara. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He kind of has the gritty sleaze you would expect from Abel Ferrara. And uh, he puts in a pretty good performance as a, as a real asshole artist. He <laughs> kind of slowly loses his mind because his horrible band lives in the apartment below him. And, uh, and uh, spoiler alert, he becomes a driller killer. 
But uh, we have what? <laughs> but uh, it was it was a good time, and I had it on one of those cheap fifty movie pack chilling classics, which usually means you get like uh, one good movie and forty nine pieces of shit. Uh, but uh, it wasn't bad. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Meh. Yeah. Uh, I also watched Scorpion from nineteen eighty six. Directed by William Reed, starring Tony Tullinger, who you might remember has having beaten Chuck Norris in some karate tournament at some time. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that's all well and good, but if this movie's any indication, uh, this guy sucks. Because (laughs) I was not impressed throughout any of it. Or it could have been the choreography, it could have been the camera work, but this guy looked like a chump. <laughs> and he also looked like Jeff Foxworthy, which is hard for me to take, <laughs> hard for me to take seriously at all to begin with. Uh. But, uh, yeah. It was like one of those bad espionage actioners, kung fu movies that's just, I don't know, if you're, if you're like a, a mediocre director, you really shouldn't start with like an action film if you can't film a good, if you're trying to make your your hero looks like a badass, but you can't film an action scene, fucking do a documentary or something because you're not doing your, your hero any credit by filming him and he looks like a complete asshole. <laughs> and you have to make the villains look like even more of an asshole to make him look even semi-convincing. <laughs> that's it. That, like, that's like I would check out like, Scorpion. What's that? This is like one of those great things where, like, where he swings on somebody and there's literally like a foot between his fist and their face, but they still act like they got hit. Uh, no, it's it's oh. actually kind of like those. I don't know. It looks like, uh, it looks like bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Should have had it the looks, fart noise queued up for that one. Yeah, well, I, I have no shame in my game. That's oh. what it looks yeah. like. That one sounded wet. <laughs> oh, speaking uh, of though, the guy that's in Piranha that I was trying to think of was in Gremlins. His name's Dick Miller. Oh yeah, Dick. Oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> He's been in a bunch of movies. Mm-hmm. Did I already mention the Russ Meyer movie? Uh, I don't think so. Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens, I watched that too. That sounds like uh, seventy-nine Laddie production right there. Well, have you seen uh, like Faster Pussycat or any of his classic movies? No. Oh, that's good stuff if you like voluptuous women and this and that. Uh, one thing I was shocked about, they actually show, like, an erect penis with, like, preseminal fluid coming out the tip. Oh, my. <laughs> and it's not even a rated, it's not even, like, an X-rated movie. Wow. I was like, holy shit, did I see that? And sure enough, I did. I don't know if I should be more impressed with that or that you said pre-seminal. Pre-seminal. I yeah. know, that was, that was, that was all proper and shit. I'm a masturbation aficionado. <laughs> Lovely. No cum, and, shot, uh, no, no cum shot, though? Uh, no cum shot, didn't go uh. that far. Uh, but, uh, and then, uh, along that line, I also watched the 42nd Street porn trailer collection from, like, the <laughs> 70s and 80s. Have you guys seen that? No, no I've, I've seen, like, their, their other ones, but I haven't seen the porn one. Oh. I'm, I'm, go ahead. What's that? No, go ahead. Oh, it's, I'm familiar with it, but I've never gotten into them. Oh, it's, it was fun. If you like Big Bush and that's <laughs> the big bushy mustache. <laughs> exactly. And last but certainly not least, I uh, saw Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. Yeah! With uh, no pre-seminal fluid. And, uh, we go from yeah, pre-seminal actually, cock to meatballs. That's, that's right. right. That's the one with Rocco Sofredi, right? That's right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was the one, uh, I, one of the few movies I got to watch with the kids. So, and, unfortunately, I cannot recommend it. The first one was entertaining enough. This one, skip it, as far as I'm concerned. 
If That's about it. If there's one thing to take away from this hour-long discussion, it's don't see Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, too. Yeah. So. If you take one thing home with you... <laughs> Yeah. Let it be this. <laughs> and on that sour note, did you guys want to take a break and come back and talk a little bit about some acacia? Yeah. Wait, did I say that right? Yep. Yeah, why not? Oh, well, who cares? <laughs> Asian street cred confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. In a world that has a country called England. Three cinephiles battle weekly against the onslaught of movie releases. They review, dissect, and discuss until each is defeated. Jordan is the host. Ian is the sweary one. And Noel is the grandpa and together they are the 35 millimeter heroes dig it bitches (laughs) bring it home (laughs) break it down had to go with this one. Didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so the main reason I hate the song yeah, we'll come out right here like 10 times a day. Yeah. Wait, hold on a second. Gonna make Keith, I'm going I'm to make Keith think I'm segueing it out, but then I turn it back up. <laughs> uh. You better forget it! <laughs> alright, alright, alright. We'll never get it, correct. <laughs> <laughs> alright, uh, some Acacia. Alright, so this is my uh, pick. And uh, I've watched this years and years ago. Um, I'm just going to read the synopsis uh, here. So the synopsis reads, After unsuccessfully trying to save a baby, have a baby of their own, Dr. Kim Do-il and his father convince his wife, Choi Mi-suk, to adopt a village a child in their orphanage. Mi-suk is connected to arts and chooses the six-year-old Kim Jung-sung that loves to draw trees. The boy becomes close to, to the eight-year-old neighbor next door, Minji, and is attracted to an old acacia tree in their lawn. When Mi-suk unexpectedly gets pregnant, her mother asks her to return jin to the orphanage, beginning the rejection process of the boy. When the baby is born, Mi-suk does not treat jin well, who believes the, uh, the acacia tree is his mother, and in a rainy night he vanishes. Along the next day, the family becomes insane, closing, disclosing a dark secret about Jin-sung. Oh. That was rough. Yeah, basically... There's this couple, they can't have no kids, see? So they go and they get a kid that likes to draw shit, weird freaky shit, then that kid kind of disappears after some rather freaky shit, and then uh, some more freaky shit happens. Pretty much. And there's a tree involved. Yeah. And and dead babies. Yeah, dead babies, evil trees, crazy ants. Um, It's a a cautionary tale of foster care and foliage. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) 
You know, actually, the the whole tree angle could have been totally left out of this film. Yeah, you know, it's... I don't know. It it could have, but... See, that's kind of the thing about this movie. It's like, um... It almost felt like it didn't know if it wanted to go toward one extreme or the other. Like, really try to play up up the is it or is it supernatural angle or just go straight up, you know, uh, melodrama. And just kind of, like, play with the psychology of it. But it almost, like... It almost seemed like they hedged their bets a little bit, played up like creepy child angle, played up creepy imagery angle, but um, I don't know. You you take the lead, good sir. You know, but real quick, halfway through I actually paused the movie and I looked at Cassandra and I was like, you know, they could go this whole movie without actually having anything supernatural happen and it'll work. And honestly, now that I have seen it, I almost wish they did because... I thought some of the weaker elements of elements of the film were the super the supernatural ones because uh, especially like I won't get into it too much but like the ant scene was almost comical. Yes, but and there's, at there's, any also, rate, there's also a scene where the woman's stabbing the tree, which is also kind of bad too. Yeah, <laughs> she kind of loses her shit for a second and starts like <laughs> tries to start stabbing the tree, which doesn't really make any sense, but. Um, no, and yeah, like you guys to go along with your saying, I think it would probably have been a stronger film if they would have just based on that, they kept more with the family dynamic and just watching it disintegrate as it goes along. Um, still, I think I think for a two million dollar film, they did a pretty good, a pretty decent job, and at least you know, at least it's different. You know, it's, it's got some different stuff in it that I haven't seen before in horror films. But obviously, there's a big nod in there to The Shining. Did any of you guys catch that? No, I didn't catch that. What? What is the little little boy on his bike, man? Oh, sure, sure. Definitely, like kind of shining esque kind of his posture. Boy. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of like hunched over. He was really fucking into his tricycle thing. <laughs> <laughs> like he was real into it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's actually the only film like. Oh wow! Huh. So that's that's the only thing he's ever did, and he he did a great job. One thing I too I, I did like about it is even though that he's kind of like. I don't know if I'd describe him as evil. He's definitely got some issues. Yeah. But uh, he still seems like a normal kid in a lot of acts. You know, like, he, he he's not just, like, he doesn't seem just to be pure, outright evil. And he, he befriends that little girl that lives there, which she's great, the little girl. Mm-hmm. And it, she's she's just normal. Um, and yeah, it, 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 I saw it a, a long time ago, and that was kind of before I had delved into South Korean horror so much. So at the at the time it, it didn't really bother me, you know, the whole creepy kid thing because it's kind of been done to death now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And watching it again on the second thing, I enjoyed it. I don't think it's a great film at all. Um, there's some really creepy stuff in it though, and I, it's different enough to you know it, it, to keep my attention. Could have been about ten minutes shorter. Um, and like I said, it, it probably would have worked well even without the whole supernatural element. Yeah, I, I would, and I, I'm totally with you on that. Like as was you and Joe, you know, it's, I, th- that's where the stronger moments are. That's what because I I like you know some of the stuff like you know how adopted kids are treated, how like unrelentingly bitchy the the mother the, of the, oh God. the mother of the mother was like she, yeah like just totally upfront about just completely them. hating the child. Yeah, just get rid of them. Yeah. And that was Did one of the things that uh, Yuri mentioned as mm-hmm. she was watching. She was like, even before this, the first scene played out with that mother was, 
oh, she hates her because the child's adopted. And then it kind of snowballed from there. And I mean, it's just one of those like weird family dynamics in Korea. I guess it's just more or less, I mean, at least with the, uh, the older guards, so to speak, it's kind of frowned upon, which is bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. No, yeah. It's total bullshit. But yeah, yeah I guess, yeah, I, I guess what you're saying. And I, I like the grandfather too. I, I like this guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. He's, he's cool. He, he definitely seemed to embrace the, the kid and everything like that, which, you know, didn't really work out for him in the end, but <laughs> that's very true. That's very true. Yeah, I he, thought the I thought the grandfather was going to play more of a part, but then he kind of fell off about uh, yeah. about a quarter, about a halfway through. He kind of disappeared, then he showed up again. I thought he was going to play more of the uh, the balancing element to the uh, you know the parents aren't so sure about the kid. The grandfather kind of is on the kid's side, maybe brings the kid over and kind of unifies, but never it just doesn't go that route for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I just, I really like the moments that he had with the kid where he was just explaining the tree and, um, you know, how the, the ants protect the tree and stuff like that, even though kind of, they, they, they kind of did a little switcheroo on that a little later, which, you know, I think we all agree is a little on the silly side, but yeah, I think, I, I don't know, I kind of like the concept of it, uh, like with the ant scene, I think I just didn't like the execution of it so much, whether it be the music or or whatever, just the, the the notion of it is just kind of unsettling. But uh, the the way that it kind of played out is like, oh, I, he just got, you know, I, I won't go into it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was just, yeah, it, it was just, it, it was a little um, strange, I guess you could say, some of the decisions that the movie made. Um, and, and before I get off of it, it should be said this uh, directed by the guy who directed Whispering Corridors. Which is another slow burn of a uh, Asian ghost film, and actually kind of predates The Ring a little bit in terms of the spooky, dark-haired girl aesthetic. Yeah, um, I actually, I'd mentioned that to Joe uh, earlier that he he had directed that too, and yeah. that to me, that's my favorite out of the uh, with the Ghost School trilogy. I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a really good one. I think there was actually one a little later on, maybe by the maybe like an editor of Park Chan Wook's movies. I can't remember. What it was, but that one was, I think it was called Blood Pledge. I think that was decent, but maybe I'm just not remembering shit. But it, either way, yeah. wasn't there one called Voices too? Uh, yeah, it was like it was, it was like Whispering Corridors, Memento Mori, um, something else, then Voices, then Blood Pledge. And yeah, I haven't seen the last two. I've seen it for the original three though. Mm-hmm. Memento Mori is a really good film too. Yeah, and, and I mean, this is kind of a, um, you know, this is a slower kind of a burn of a movie. It takes a while before you kind of get a handle on what the movie's angle is, you know. And it, it's definitely something that you got to kind of adjust for, and you may not always be in the mood for. But when it works, it works really fucking good. Yeah, and it, the dude, I will say one thing, though. The, the birthing scenes are definitely something that's that sticks in your head for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is oh, yeah. pretty rough. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really even 100% sure what the whole point behind the birthing scenes what was, because it, you know, the, the father's a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. And it seems like, uh, I don't know, was he cursed or something? He just cause he kept delivering stillborns? or like I'm not quite sure. never really gave you yeah, know, I, the, the story behind that or an, an explanation for that, but I, I was, that's kind of what I got out of it. Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting to with, you know, the movie couldn't quite decide how far it wanted to go on the... The, the more grounded angle or the more supernatural angle, because 
like there's like you can find a uh, you know a practical reason for why those things happen. You know, maybe it's just circumstance. Maybe he because he's so distracted, he does something wrong in the birthing process. Um, but it, it seems like because they injected stuff like that, it almost muddied the film a little bit. Uh, to me, it was a little too on the nose. I thought it was him questioning either his his. Uh, you never really know why they can't have at least initially mm. a real uh, their own child. So I was thinking it was either like him failing as a parent or him being infertile or I don't know. It just seemed little, the birthing scene seemed a little too just a little bit too on the nose for me. If that's what they were going for. It also seemed like it took place, it, uh, I, if I'm remembering the scene correctly, it was just like in a black room. Like it almost didn't even feel like it was like real, you know, it may not have even been real. It's hard to, I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm reaching with that. But. Well, at least one of them wasn't real because the mother then turns into like a tree zombie oh, or something. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, what is it? I think the first step, uh, the first misstep taken by the parents in the film was going to the orphanage, finding a, pic- a creepy picture one of the kids had done, and then basically yeah, saying, hey, take me to the yeah. creepy kid. That, that's, that's, what I, that's what I took away from him. Like, you know, it's cool and all to get like an artistically gifted child, so to speak. But like, do you really want a child that is so detached, like this freaky little kid? Like, <laughs> is that really going to be your prevailing, you know, maternal instinct? Is oh, I want this freaky little kid that doesn't know how to communicate with other human beings. And I mean, kids are always going to be a little weird, but this one was a a little weirdly weird. Yeah. Well, one thing I do like about the film, though, is the score. I do, and I, I love the classical score. And a lot of South Korean films use classical. It seems to be, especially from that era. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing that I, that I, I always always love hearing classical music. Period. But just in a film with the with the imagery, and that's one thing too. Uh, I think the cinematography in this film was really good. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, for the, uh, the shots of the tree, and, and not only that too, but the sound. There's just these weird sounds that pop up during through the movie and stuff like that, and the tree breathing, yeah, 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 yeah. and I, I, I and the I, use of reds as 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 far as the cinematography go, I love how they use red. Oh, mm-hmm. then when the tree starts bleeding, oh, uh, no, well, like when the kid's up in the tree and it's like a red, like I guess a, like a sunset. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and the whole yard is bathed in red. It's just creepy. Yeah, no, the, I think that the art direction and the cinematography and the the score and everything in this are really good. Um, probably better than the film itself. Um, I think it's kind of it's kind of hampered, like you said. It's, it kind of just wants to. It doesn't quite sure where it wants to go. Um, but it, it's 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 still an enjoyable film for me. It's not. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's a favorite. Um, but it, it's it's got enough going for it that I could recommend it. Now, and there's actually a lot of hate for this film on the internet. Oh, oh, really? No oh, yes. hate on the internet? <laughs> no, I, now, I mean, you look troll the IMDb boards for the film, and you'll just see just a lot of people did not like this movie at all. Re- referring to the score, I didn't really notice it until the end, like during the big reveal, which I won't spoil, but uh, it almost turns into like a spaghetti western score, like when they're like <laughs> in the backyard during the big reveal, and I was like, wow, it's like I'm watching like a Leone film or something else. It's like, where, where, where? And I'm like, it just seemed a little out of place. I didn't notice that music so much as that throughout the film, there's a a lot of spots where there's just a lot of piano. Yeah. Like, well, that's what I caught more. Um, 
But I, I, a great creepy last shot, though. Uh, that that, mm. that uh, the last shot is great. I will say that. Yeah, there's a lot of you know great you know horror imagery in there. Just little moments. It almost felt like you know the director just had this notion of like that final shot in his head, or like you know the the red uh, yarn or whatever. And it almost felt like he built a movie around that um, because those things were just really sharp, really evocative, really creepy. Oh, it- and the last painting, the painting that the mom does, it's in the mm, thing. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. awesome. Totally great. It, and another, another thing, too, I, I do think the film does kind of suffer from, um, and it's kind of hard for me going into the second time because I already knew the outcome, but um, it is kind of predictable. It does kind yeah. of follow, like, to the tropes. It's about weird stuff, and it's kind of out there in certain spots, but, I mean, you kind of, kind of about halfway through, you kind of know where it's going, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, this is, I forgot. I was going to say something else, but I just forgot. Or right, go ahead, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, one thing you mentioned watching it for the second time. I actually, I'm interested in seeing it for a second time now that I know what the movie is going for, what its end game is, uh, so to speak. Because for so much of it, it was almost distracting to me trying to get a handle on it and in trying to you know, just kind of understand on how to not so much judge the movie, but how to so what the hell look is going at it. on. Yeah. Like <laughs> what, like, because it, cause I'm like, okay, it seems like it's going this one direction and then something else would happen to almost contradict it. It was stylistically speaking. And so it was almost uh, a little rocky, but like the best way to look at it is just kind of like a, a family in crisis kind of movie and a, a movie that looks at, you know, uh, relationships within the family as well as, you know, jealousy amongst the children, the, the kind of, um, uh, trust issues that, um, a husband and wife can have and how that can completely dissolve, whether it be as a result of guilt or anything else. Um, I thought that was really, really interesting, really compelling stuff. It's just, uh, I guess the, the, the vessel, so to speak, that the movie tried to deliver that message with, it wasn't always on point. And I think that's where my, not my total dislike comes from, but where, you know, I feel like there's, uh, it almost feels like there's something um, left on the floor, something left on the table. Um, some missed yeah. opportunities. Yeah, yeah, some missed opportunities. But I would agree that the family dynamic is the most interesting element of the film. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because when it first when the husband and wife really start reacting to uh, or interacting with one another after uh, Jin Sung disappears, I was like, man, they're really take they're really going over the edge with their just hatred of each other. It makes sense after you see the finale, mm-hmm. but yes. at first I'm like, damn, they, these two do not handle adversity very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, God, there's that needle. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. God. God that, yeah. That. I'll that's... never eat rice the same. That is something I for I totally forgot the watching it the second time and that part kind of came as a little shock to me that the needle and the rice yes that very disturbing yeah the, the, where did this come from well I don't know did you put it in there you're the one that cooked the rice bitch <laughs> <laughs> it's like the whole thing played out it's like she doesn't even give a shit whether he believes it's her or not yeah. her like it was, that was really the point where my perspective on the movie really started to shift I was like what a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but and it just gets worse. I mean, to the point where I mean, we were talking about it before we started recording, where they have an altercation and he ends up uh, actually raping her in front of 
the child, the baby. Oh, they're, God. They're natural born. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is, they've really hit bottom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought you couldn't go much lower than the needles and the rice, but this this is pretty bad. Yeah. Child <laughs> weeping in the background. Yeah. I just want to know how they got all that damn yarn from. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't even imagine the, the the care that went into setting all those things up. Jesus Christ! Oh, I know, and it's just how many bundles of yarn that. Why? I guess you could probably. It's kind of a stupid gripe, but I mean, who has that much damn red yarn in their fucking? <laughs> I just noticed a wet spot on my wall. That's not good. Uh oh. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I really like the yarn imagery. That was really fucking cool. Um. One note that I have about that bitchy grandma, um, like, she has this absolutely irrational, like, hatred for the adopted child, and then she gives her daughter, like, a superstitious fan from a fortune teller. It's like, what yeah. the fuck is your deal, lady? <laughs> like, yeah. Get your grandma priorities stopped, straight. Grandma only stops short of asking if her daughter kept the receipt for the kid. I'm like, I don't think yeah. it's that simple. Just taking yeah, it back to the fucking just, orphanage. Yeah, I don't think you can just return a kid to the orphanage that easily. <laughs> Oh, we got yeah, one now. Like Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm not going to get in. Car. I'm not going to get into spoiling the ending, but this might just prove what a dumbass I am. Did <laughs> either of you have a moment where um, the grandfather, when he is toward the kind of towards the end, is uh, confronting Minji, the little girl who lives next door, who is friends to Jing Sun, mm-hmm. uh, in the yard, and she and he says something along the lines of, "You know what happened to him, don't you?" And she and she goes, well, I think you already know. So why are you asking me? And then he reaches for her. Did either of you think he's going to pull a wig off of her head? <laughs> <laughs> I did for a split second. I was like, holy shit, holy shit! Oh no, then I go. Well, one, one thing that's kind of unexplained in the film is what what happens to that little girl. I don't know. Yeah. She just kind of disappears. She's just going to be a creepy little girl without blood. Or, yeah. yeah, whatever her uh, was. And, and speaking of, that was probably one of my my favorite moments in the film. Is that there's these two interchanges where she's talking to the little boy and she's telling him that she has you know a blood disease and this and that, and she's like, I'm a vampire, you know. And I just thought that was, that <laughs> whole interchange between those two was great. Yeah. Then she kisses him on the head and goes, Now you're a vampire too. And he's yeah. like, What? Face yeah. <laughs> starts to sparkle and run really fast. He's like, Call me whatever you want. Just give me that that sugar. <laughs> So, so, so neither of you thought that the uh, the the kid was a transvestite. No, I can't say I can't say that thought ever crossed my mind. Well, shit. That's what you get for watching tranny porn, Joe. <laughs> That's how it always ends after the cum shot. They just rip off the wig. Well, the worst thing. Well, the worst thing is. You know, the, speaking of, since you brought up tranny porn, I hate when I'm surfing straight porn and I see a link from a girl that's hot and I click on it and open up and she's got a dick. It's just the worst shit ever. <laughs> well, but the question is, are you still turned on by it? If you're still turned on, then what's the big deal? Yeah. Beauty is beauty, man. Beauty's blind. Mm. <laughs> beauty doesn't have a sense uh, of smell. The, on, the only penis I like is my own. <laughs> you're such an elitist dick. You have an elitist dick. <laughs> you dick. Uh, all right, so I think we're pretty much done on this one. <laughs> um, I did want to say uh, just just for the sake of it, I always appreciate in Korean movies when it doesn't take place in Seoul, when it's not an like you know an urban area. This felt like just a typical suburb. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's it's fucking weird seeing a backyard 
in a green film. Yeah, in a green film, yeah. Yeah. It's usually always city. Yeah, but I like that. I I, I thought it gave it a a different kind of a flavor, so to speak. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, um, did you guys just want to get into the scores then? Yeah, how did you score, Jake? Why don't you go out... Take the first stat. Um, I'm going to give us a 6.5 out of 10. Um, wow. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It just, it's, it, it does feel like it's on the, um, lower end of this, of the I enjoyed it scale, uh, just because of its flaws. Um, but it, it was definitely, I, I was actually not that, uh, I, I was, I wasn't quite dreading the movie, but I was like, oh man, because when, Korean horror movies go bad. They go really fucking bad <laughs> um, in terms of enjoyment. But, yes. you know, at least this this does have a good pedigree behind it, at least uh, behind the lens. Um, and the, the kids are quite good in it. And there's little nuggets of um, really, really interesting stuff going on in the movie. And I think that's really what carried me, carried me through it. I would concur. I would say, uh, uh, like Keith alluded to, I uh, kind of about halfway through I kind of had an idea where it was going and it was just slow so slow moving for me maybe I just wasn't in the right frame of mind that I was just like come on get to it come on get to it come on get to it <laughs> at least it was but, two uh, and a half hours oh yeah yeah <laughs> but I enjoyed it I dug it I mean I, 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 I do not have a background in a lot of Asian films so I really don't have anything much to compare it to I've seen a lot of the staples uh uh John Woo, uh, Choi Hawk, you know, the, the master mm-hmm. Godfrey Ho. But, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I found myself, again, watching the clock a little bit, and I did like some of the visuals, and I did like some of the acting, and I thought a lot of the family dynamic uh, worked, the disintegration of the family dynamic, at least. Uh, I would give it a five. Uh, it just didn't do much for me, but uh, do I regret watching it? No, I just wish it was... Uh, just a little slow, a little quicker pace. Maybe they shaved off fifteen, twenty minutes. But um, yeah, that's that's where I stand. And Mr. Squars, where do you where do you run with this? All right. So since this is my recommendation, I'm going I'm going with a six point seven five. Um, and the reason why is that I think as as a whole, the film isn't a great film, but I think there are some really great moments in it. Um, the, definitely the little kids are. Just, just fantastic, and like I said before, the the interaction between uh, Min Ji and the little boy uh, Jin Sung, I just the, 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 those were just wonderful scenes to me. Um, kind of wish, like you said, it would probably be better if they would have left some of the supernatural elements ever maybe just maybe made that like a, an overtone as opposed to spending so much time on that and focus more on the, the family dynamic and the disintegration of the family dynamic and you know the the the. The, the animosity and hatred that builds up between the husband and wife as the film progresses. And it would have been, I think, a, a lot better. Um, still, I do think that because of the the, the, the imagery and the, the, the I, like, I love the score in this film, and, the, and there's just some really cool stuff in it. Um, not, not a perfect film, obviously, but uh, I think it's worth watching. It's something that I, I enjoy. Right on. How, what, what do you think your score would have been, um, like, prior to seeing it for a second time? Well, when I first watched it, I kind of said that I, at that point in time, I didn't really have the background in South Korean cinema so much. Mm. Um, so I wasn't used to that. Was, it was kind of a new new experience just watching those types of films. So at that time, I probably would have went with, like, a 7.5. Oh, right uh, um, So I, I'm lowering my score a little bit on it for my first time watch, just because going around this, this time around... 
it, uh, you're obviously going to lose the, the impact of a film no matter what the second time around. It's not mm. going to impact you the same way you, with most films are like that. And with this one, I, I think it's the second time around. Um, I still really enjoyed it. It's just the flaws were a lot more evident this this time around, you know. And it didn't. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the creepy moments weren't quite as creepy this time around as they were first time. Oh, that's fair enough. I had a, I had a similar experience when I reviewed you on. Um, cause I love, 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 love that movie. Um, you know, so much so that I would be tempted to put it in like a top 20 of all time and shit like that. And then watching it again after, you know, a couple of years of separation, uh, definitely lowered my, um, feelings toward the film. But I think that's just, um, how it goes. You see more of those kind of movies, your tastes change, so on and so forth, you know. You get familiar with cliches and, yeah. and, and, and tropes of the, the, the genre, and then when you rewatch it, it's not fresh and new anymore. It's, I've, mm-hmm. already seen this, I've already seen this 20 times in different incarnations. Yeah, you, know? you want to see something new, you want to look for something new or just something different. Um, but, but yeah, so uh, interesting stuff. So good, good pick, even though I don't think I did a good job of um, matching it up. <laughs> for like no. a good theme, but fuck it. Oh, well, who cares? But yeah. fuck it. Not American theme, theme. Not American films. That's the theme. Yeah, <laughs> that's good enough for me. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> now, what if the girl was a tranny? What would you have rated it then? Uh, what the the younger <laughs> the younger? Yeah. Oh god, that's tough. an eight. Because I I love all of my little children equally, um, <laughs> and I think it's very cute when they play dress up and uh, <laughs> I said stop. Yeah, we should. Funny on, th- on that sour note. Funny though that you guys mentioned that. I don't, uh, totally side note. The other day, uh, the kiddies came over, and what movie they're totally in love with is uh, CJ Seven Stephen Chow. Oh, <laughs> they love that film. Like it's one of those like. That and Godzilla, man, boom, they want it, you know. And they asked me to put it on the other day, and uh, I was talking to my wife, because she was watching it, and I told her that the little boy in it is actually a little girl. And she's like, no way, you know. She she didn't believe me, and so I went and showed her. And she's like, I would have sworn up and down that was a boy. <laughs> well, I saw Ricky O several times before I realized that one of the main villains was a, a woman dressed as a man. Oh, no, it is. Uh, well, one of them yeah, is, yeah. I had no idea, but I'm a dumbass. Oh, so yeah, guess, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a uh, Yukari Oshima. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. I thought that yeah. was a dude when I was uh, when I saw for the first time. I don't have to rewatch that because I haven't seen that in years. Oh, it's great! Oh, I, I I actually put that on it um, one day with like a couple of friends, and they just fucking hated it so much, dude. Oh, oh my god! All, hope you're not friends anymore. Talk shit on it. And I was like, how can oh. you not like it? They're like, it's stupid. I'm like, well, it's supposed to be stupid. Come on. <laughs> That's when you say you're stupid. <laughs> and then just, you know, throw something against a window. That's right. One of them, preferably. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys want to take a break, come back and talk a little Blue Jean Monster? Let's do it. Let's do it. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Do you like podcasts where a guy talks about movies? It's not that very encouraging, but okay. You should tune into Justin Oberholter's Film Wave, where each week I review a couple of movies whatever else comes to mind. Now, does that sound good? Really? What if I got you a celebrity endorsement? Hey, this is Sylvester Stallone. Listen to Justin Oberholtz's film rave. This guy's the cinematicist. He watches all the films that star Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
<laughs> Much better. So tune in to Just No Bullshit Film Rape. Go to freakingawesomenetwork.com, filmrape.blitz.com, or subscribe on iTunes. Never been inside a bar before And I felt like a peasant Who just had met a queen And she knew I saw right through her Tight-fitting jeans <laughs> I asked her, what's a woman Like you doing here? I see you're used to champagne But I'll buy you a beer so you guys you not come with footy fans? Come on. <laughs> I can't say I am. But I like the uh, I like the implication of seeing through some blue jeans. It implies uh, a little bit of camel toe action. I like it. All right, I have a friend whose uh, favorite favorite performer is Conway Twitty. He even has like jackets and everything. Ooh. Oh Jesus! Yeah, it's pretty sad. All right, I've embraced my inner redneck enough. Whoop. <laughs> So as you might have guessed, we're this is the somewhat perfect segue into <laughs> Mr. McLarge Huge's uh, his uh, foray into whatever. Whatever. Fucking this. Blue Jean Monster. Let's do it. Yeah, it's Blue Jean Monster. It's from 1991. It's also called the Monster War Jeans, aka the story of my life. All right, synopsis. Um, I got to get my synopsis voice on. <laughs> Mm. It, don't forget it was directed by Leroy Lai. Leroy Lai. <laughs> <laughs> also known as uh, Joe Stevenson. and yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> Joe, a police officer, has a happy life with his wife who's pregnant. But one day when he gets a tip that a bank is about to be robbed, he rushes to it but's killed. The hostage, Gucci, <laughs> then holds the news. <laughs> Joe becomes a vampire, electric vampire, electric boogaloo vampire. When a cat jumps on his body and is hit by lightning, he is now the blue chain monster. Yeah. Uh, yeah, is that something from Asian film? Because it didn't really explain the glowing cat. Um, Cats are magical, dude. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, especially when you uh, go out to the far east, the oriental part of uh, our globe. Shit gets weird out there. The, fur- the further east you go, the more magical the cat. Exactly. And, and, and it gets even crazier when you go so far east you come... You what? You what? What? Jake? Hello? Well, has, uh, what? Did we lose somebody? I lost. You lost, You were cut out for a second there. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that was Jake. It wasn't me. Oh, <laughs> The, the 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 amount of strife and pain we've gone through trying yeah. to get this motherfucker out. This monster, <laughs> this is a monster. Yeah, fucking, ugh. but yeah, um, this one's got a bunch of cool people. It's got Shing Fui on, who plays like a bad guy and everything. We got Pauline Wong. We got Gloria Yip. We got June Kunamura, who a lot of people recognize from uh, shit like um, uh, Hard Boiled. He plays a bad guy in the tea house at the beginning of the movie. Japanese actor who did like four movies in Hong Kong for some reason and then just kind of hung out and did Yakuza films. Oh, and uh, we got Amy Yip, uh, Big oh, Tits cool. McGee. Yep. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. And her, and her uh, little nice little uh, Playboy Bunny outfit mm-hmm. that she's got going on in there. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, amazingly enough, a kind of a a, a modest outfit uh, when you compare it to the rest of her career. But that's a, that's a conversation for another time. Um, so yeah, the, the main character of this movie is played by Shing Fui An, who you know he's a guy that a lot of people, if you watch enough. Hong Kong movies from the 80s and 90s, you know the face, you may not know the name. I mean, hell, it's Shing Fui An. doesn't really roll off the tongue, but, you know, he's got a very, very recognizable face. And he, he plays like an everyday kind of likable guy in, in a weird sense. Not quite, not quite schlubby, but he's kind of at the uh, beck and call of his woman, his uh, pregnant lady. And as things are wont to happen in these kind of movies, uh, he sees all sorts of bad omens and shit like that and whatnot. Yeah, I love when he was praying, when they were praying to, uh, to, uh, Buddha. What, was it? Buddha. Yes. Was it to Buddha? Okay. Uh, praying to Buddha for, like, fertility and this and that. And did you catch what the old lady was, uh, praying for? She wanted to win the lottery. <laughs> she wanted to stop stealing and she wanted to avoid getting venereal disease. No, she, I think it was her, she wanted her husband not to get venereal disease, I believe. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> By extension. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. I totally missed that part. Speaking of venereal disease, one thing that kind of astounded me on this was, uh, I guess, women of the 90s, you know, the, how the wife was uh, just cool to go along with that whole, uh, yeah, you know, Xing uh, Fuan's not uh, having sex with me, so I'll just get him another lady. I'm like, wow. It's kind of <laughs> cool. It's a, it's an odd movie because it's, you know, it's blue jean monster. It has, like, a, a kind of a, a sleazy edge to it, but there's, like, a lot of zany shenanigans going on in this movie to kind of, I don't know, that was kind of a endemic of that period. They just loved having goofy comedy. Um, I don't know. I don't think they did focus groups back then, but shit, it was fucking everywhere. Um, in all fairness, I, I thought it was much more tolerable in this one as it is in other films. I think because I like Shing Foyan so much. He's just such a likable guy in it. I think it's kind of an acquired taste because yeah, I I when I first started watching like Hong Kong movies, and they've had that humor. It wasn't just in the eighties and nineties. You go back to some of the old Shaw Brothers stuff. They still had that kind of hokey, out of control, weird humor, and it's something that used to really take me out of uh, those films. You know, at, at times like mm-hmm. you'd watch them, I mean, you just really get into the action sequences, and then it's like, oh great, here's you know another twenty minutes of stupid slapstick shit. But uh, I don't know, I've actually kind of grown to uh, appreciate that sense of humor over, over the last about four or five years, and it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. I don't know, and it didn't bother me at all in this one, though. All right, man. The, still- whole, the whole odious comic relief thing didn't really start grading on me until about halfway through when, when Power Steering, that's the, uh, <laughs> the, the orphan who lives with, uh, with Chu in his house, mm-hmm. uh, who's the odious comic relief, and his girlfriend, Gucci, start really uh, obsessing on whether or not he's a vampire or not, and go through all these uh, tests and just the wacky quote-unquote comedy just it just starts to grate on me for a while it's like please stop focusing on them because i'm gonna i'm gonna commit seppuku in, in short order you didn't mind the uh, big mac fondling though Oh yeah, Big Mac family. That's a, that's actually scientific fact. That is how they determine if someone was raped or not by fondling Big Macs. By the way, was the the, the actor or actress that played a, a, in my translation that came across as ETC? Are you are we for sure that that was a woman? I, I think. I so. thought. It, uh, what? I think so. I mean, in the, in the scene with uh, Gucci, and then the, the woman's name is like ETC, etc. Oh, I, I remember her. I just yeah, yeah. Put, quite put my finger on 
the the uh, yeah the sexual origin. Cinder. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure because it kind of looked like it might have been a dude in drag. <laughs> well, and then nothing happens. Etc. just kind of disappears after that. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's referenced a little bit later on, but that's about it. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I I think the the reason why those comedic bits probably stand out as bad as they do is because all the other stuff in the movie works pretty damn well, whether it's like, you know, the, the weird monster stuff or like even the action like that, that heist or like robbery, really like that was fucking harsh, man. Like a dude got his arm blown off. Yeah. I I, I I definitely like the action sequences and they're pretty damn good. And there's a car chase in there. That's pretty fun too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) They've got like this old, uh, like, like they are became lethal enforcers kind of sound effects. Like the gunshots sound like they're being shot. Like it's coming from a cannon. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I love it. And then the, the robbers get into this horrific wreck in their van and they all come out like completely unscathed. <laughs> I was like, I mean, they crashed through a fucking wall and they're fine. <laughs> well, well what caught me about that scene was that, did you notice that, uh, they all had masks on, right? And then the, you know, the thing happens, what happened to the guy? I don't really want to say, but, and then all of a sudden, when he's dying, they all take their masks off, and it's kind of like, ooh, it was. A little, I felt that was a little contrived. It was like, uh, oh, we made sure your face is so you can get revenge on us later. <laughs> well, sure, plot device. <laughs> I wonder if they crashed because someone was text messaging on their 15-pound cellular phone. <laughs> yeah, they're even doing, like, the, the guy was, like, leaning left to right, like, oh, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> something, uh... <laughs> Something that's going to haunt us for generations, I guess. No, I, think, I think the noodles and the cookie. Well, speaking of, that actually oh. made me very hungry for, for noodles and cookies. And milk. <laughs> See, the weird thing was, I didn't notice him eat noodles. I just saw him pull the shit out of his stomach. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I thought it was string or some shit at first. I was like, yeah, it was the same thing. I was just like, what the hell is he pulling out of his fucking body? And apparently he didn't chew because there were whole noodles he pulled out. <laughs> and then he puts them conveniently into a bowl. And then power steering comes around and goes, oh, you saved me some noodles. And you're like, oh, please don't go there. And they do. And power steering eats the whole fucking bowl of uh, stomach noodles. Brown. Then he gets diarrhea. Then he got diarrhea. Um, back. I think this is the perfect time to mention that I'm not wearing any pants right now. Attaboy. <laughs> Attaboy. I just imagined you weren't. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, back to the, 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 um, the, the uh, car chase. Um, that stunt where he, you know, like had the shit drop on him. Like, I know that like the big, like kind of a plank with all the shit on it was like, like the fall was broken by the stacked barrels. But it still looked like there was a dude under there. Yeah, I know. I noticed that, too. That better have been a dummy because that shit was fucked up. <laughs> Dude, that's yeah. one of the, allure, the big allures of watching those Hong Kong films, though, is uh, especially from that era, the stunt work, man. Some of the stuff those guys did. I mean, Jackie Chan would probably be the biggest example mm-hmm. that you could use his films and stuff. But there's also just a lot of other, other stuff. Um, um, was, it fi- was it Final Termination, I believe? There's, there's some Fatal. stuff in that. Fatal Termination. Yeah. There's some stuff in that. You, you're just watching it, and you're wincing as it's happening. You're just like, 
like seriously, that somebody probably had to go to the hospital in that shot, you know? Mm-hmm. Where they throw these guys off barrels and they fall 25 feet and land on their back. You're like, that's <laughs> gotta hurt, you know? I, uh. Yeah, and I, I like the I like this era of Hong Kong because even with the movie like this, that isn't a big showcase for stunts and really action. You still get that. That's like part of the language of the time. And so you'll watch, you know, random Hong Kong movie number seven that has like a couple recognizable names that's kind of actiony. And even if it's not like, you know, the main course, you still get shit like this, you know, crazy car chases, lots of guns and violence. And it's just, um, Amy it's awesome. Kitties. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's the thing about old Amy Yip and the, the, the Yip tees as, um, because people who aren't familiar with her, all you got to do is Google Amy, Amy Yip. And she's just, you know, a good-looking Asian lady with a, a huge rack. But she was known as, like, you know, the titillating girl in all these movies, but she would never show the full thing. Like, you would never see the the nips or anything like that. It was always called the Yip Tees. And, <laughs> and like, even in movies where you, her character, you saw the tits, they were always stunt tits. It was just one of those things, and she never showed him. She's even on the cover of fucking Playboy, and she didn't show him. Wow, stunt tits. Yeah. Well, I mean, fuck. Um, what was it? Catherine Isbell had stunt tits in uh, that uh, Freddy vs. Jason movie. So it's huh. it's relatively common. It's relatively yeah, it, ha- no. it happens a lot. I, I remember what, the only one I can think of off the top of my head is Waterworld. There's a scene where mm-hmm. the woman in Waterworld is stripped naked from behind, and you see her ass. That I remember reading that they had used a stunt ass for that scene. Oh, that's the the hot chick from Basic Instinct, Gene Triplehorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yep. And uh, the most fam well, one of the most famous stunt asses was uh, Demi Moore in uh, um, I Spit on Your Grave. Unless Demi Moore, isn't that her yeah. name? Yeah, Demi, Demi Moore. Moore. Bruce Willis yeah. is an old Ashton Kutcher's plaything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, 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 are you guys fucking with me? She, that's uh, what's uh, that's um, uh, uh. What's her name? Uh, la, la, Demi la, 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 la. Not Demi oh. Moore. That's uh, Camilla Keaton. Um, I could have sworn. Um, it, either it's like just one of those. Um, uh, uh, I know, like well, urban I think, legends. Demi Moore is not in. I spit on no, your no, grave. No, 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 no. Her cover. ass on the front cover. That's Demi Moore's ass. On, oh, on okay. I was like, okay, you guys conspired before we started recording. <laughs> to fuck with me, and I'm like, uh, uh what? Speaking What's of Demi. Demi Moore and asked, have you seen those old black and white photos she did when she was, like, 19? No. Do you have full-on naked, septic bush? Hold up. We need, yep. to some, <laughs> we need to do some live Google here. I really uh, hope. We're going to do some hot Google uh, search action they, via audio. She did them when she was, like, 18 or 19. They're fully nude. There's even a spread eagle shot, but you can't see much because it's just almost all bush. But... <laughs> She's pretty damn hot, man. I mean, uh, probably still. Probably. Mm, having trouble. Yep. Demi Moore, Bush, nude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing a, a, a porn star lookalike. Um, oh, no, I see it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, concentrate. Concentrate. Uh, okay, so, Let's back to the film. Thing. I'm good. <laughs> Back to the bush. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, our main dude, like, through the powers of rotoscoping and lightning and cats, uh, he's basically brought back to life. He's like a vampire, but he's like a, an electric 
electricity vampire. Um, he just needs to like recharge every once in a while to keep going. And, you know, he, he knows he's going to die. They cause like some people refer to him as a ghost, but he just kind of wants to hang around to see the baby and, you know, be a cool father and all that shit. Um, and bust the bad guys. Yeah. And bust the bad guys. It's basically the same premise as crank too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. A little bit of Crank 2, a little bit of, what was it, Dead Heat? Oh, I thought he said Scream 2. Oh, Scream 2. <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. Uh, th- this movie features such sophisticated humor as using a menstrual pad to bandage a gaping wound. Uh, that should tell you the level of sophistication we're dealing with here. I'm sure that uh, would work, though. Well, Yeah. I mean, you look at those commercials, they just pour a shit ton of blue liquid on there, just soaks that all up. Um, not that those like things would ever lie. Cookies, though. Cookie dough. Oh, yeah, and he just shoved some cookie dough in there, and I think because he ele- electrocuted himself and turned into a fucking cookie. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then Power Steering eats it. Yeah, that's not... <laughs> They should have done the cookie first and then the noodles, because I thought the noodles was more disgusting. Yeah, the noodles was pretty... Because, especially if you don't catch that like, he ate the noodles. It just looks like he's pulling out some kind of weird pussy stringy thing. But, yeah. Uh, I liked Xing Foyan's fashion in this movie. He had, like, the leather jacket with a pop collar going on. Oh, yeah. Looking smooth as shit. And, um, <laughs> oh, I wrote down that he's, like, like if, if there was a Chinese guy that was the mix of, like, Powers Booth and Michael Ironside, he, he'd probably be that guy, but, like, a little yep. meaner. That's fair. Yeah. Kind of looks like a Japanese Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Chinese man looks like a Japanese Frankenstein. <laughs> 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 but yeah, he's like he's he's a big dude, so he kind of reminds me of Powers Booth, and obviously his face is like aggressive demeanor. But um, so anyways, um, I I, I did want to bring this up. Like, would you guys even consider this a horror movie? Uh, no, not really. There, there is one specific scene in there that is like something out of a slasher film. Mm. But um, other than that, I would kind of—it's honestly—it's more than anything. It's kind of a sex comedy. <laughs> yeah, in a way, it is. But, but without any sex, it's just kind of a wacky, like almost like a street cop. Because it even has like the '80s action keyboard at the time, like a wacky uh. <laughs> street cop action comedy. I mean, there's not even any like real. Sex outside of the moaning, the fake moaning match his wife gets into with uh, with Gucci later in the film. I did love the scene where the wife finds him and Power steering on the floor together. That was pretty good. That was their little Three's Company moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's getting recharged by the electricity, and then Power Steering comes over there to I don't I don't know what they're doing, but he tackles them, and then they're both getting electrocuted. And the wife walks in, and from the angle she walks in. All she sees is Power Steering's butt going up and down like they're humping on the floor. I was waiting for, like, Jack Jack Tripper to show up or something, but it never happened. We all go to public restrooms to recharge ourselves with some old electricity. (laughs) Hey, 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 I didn't say that. Hey, speaking of the sex and the humor, but, uh, uh, I mean, I know the wife says a couple times that she's nine months pregnant. She doesn't want to have sex with her husband because... She's afraid it'll flatten the baby's nose. <laughs> yeah. Which was like, okay, that's funny. But then, did you guys catch what the girlfriend said later? Yeah. Why do you think the baby has no teeth? Because it, it can hold a penis in its mouth? I was like, 
and I've seen that like it was Mickey Mouse, and, and there's different names. Like each each cut I have has like different nicknames for those characters. <laughs> so it's probably just it, it could be a translation thing. Who knows? And then I, well, I watched it off of YouTube, so I mean, who knows how? It, well, the cr- the killer I did read about that, and what they were calling themselves each other in their native tongue was something along the lines of, if I recall correctly, some kind of like. Uh, slang for like little brother and big brother that didn't really translate so they really struggled to come up with something that would equate to it and uh, honestly they failed but I don't know I just it's hard during the epic shootout and the killer to be like take it seriously when they're like Mickey Mouse as it's kind of like a, a magazine clip to one another and <laughs> uh, yeah it's pretty amazing uh, and, in the English dub when that scene pops up and just to bring this conversation around full circle Shing Fu On was one of the main henchmen in the killer Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. nice. And he's a pretty prolific guy in, in that period, so it was, it was definitely a pleasure seeing him in a movie like this where he got to play the lead. And, you know, he was kind of a monster, but for the most part, he was just himself. Um, but anyways, we're talking about uh, Amy Ip's tits. And oh, yeah. <laughs> it was funny because I was reading um, the, the Asian cult magazine, I think it was like, you know, most disturbing movies ever or, or something to that effect. And, you know, this movie was in there, and they talk about, like, the scene, and that's the reason why I wanted to uh, uh, see it, was because I was like, oh, and he squeezes Amy Yip's so, tits so hard they explode. And I was like, holy shit! That sounds amazing! <laughs> it's called Fuji Monster, it sounds fucking crazy, but I think I think what happened was that there, she was just ha- she just had a water bra. Because she was just kind of like, oh shit, there goes my tits. And she didn't seem all that bothered by it. It's not like, like he made them <laughs> explode. Or anything like that, but yeah, that was a little exaggerated. Yeah, it's still it's it's still a pretty fucking funny scene. Yeah, it's pretty like, out there. Because like I was like brainstorming, I was brainstorming, I, I was brainstorming <laughs> before the movie. I was like, how the fuck are tits gonna explode? Like even with like um uh like the silicone and stuff. Like like is there like a titty urethra? Like. Like, how how does this... Because, you know, I totally paid attention in anatomy and is it, <laughs> uh, sex education when I was in high school. But I, 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 well, I guess I didn't have to really confront those thoughts. You didn't want to ask your girlfriend? I mean, all women know about breast explosion. They should explain it to you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to look stupid. <laughs> but here I am talking about titty urethras on fucking. So was she <laughs> lactating then, or what? Maybe she was lactating. Yeah, she was just getting milk. I. I but how? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's put way too much thought into this scene. I have. I, I, <laughs> um, I, I, I'll just say this. Um, I, I, I love the the climax of the movie that because it's like. It, it takes like one of those tried and true formulas of just combining a bunch of shit together. Like, oh, there's a warehouse shootout. Oh, but there's a bomb. Oh, and she's giving birth. Like, just all <laughs> the shit happening. Like, maximum carnage, maximum drama. It's just a ridiculous amount of fun. And it's it was just a really fucking cool scene. Shing Fui on plays sympathetic guy, and I think he definitely added a lot to the film. Whether it just be his like like crazy physical presence as well as his you know sympathy and. um you know, aside from kind of the, the groany humor in it, when it when it got going, it got going good. Um, but yeah, so I, I actually dig it. I dig it uh, more than I initially thought I would, and for reasons um, that I wasn't anticipating. Uh, surprising amount of heart, at least for me, anyways. Um, so 
Yeah, those are my notes. Do you guys uh, want to jump in? Then he gets, then he gets, he gets his first leading role. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't he die like relatively soon after that? Uh, I don't believe so. I mean, look that. Oh, up. okay. I got my I got my wires crossed. Don't listen to me. Don't <laughs> ignore the man behind the curtain. You're gonna make me look that up right now. Yeah, I know. I, I'm gonna feel the... like a dick. Now, one note I had was during the big warehouse scene where all the shits hit the fan and she's having a baby. Did anyone notice she held like a 12 pound baby? Yeah, that. <laughs> and I'm like, holy was... shit! She gave yeah, birth to a first was grader. A newborn baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I know they can't actually use a newborn baby, but don't get a baby that's like you know on his way to school. Yeah, that was a big fucking baby. That was ridiculous. <laughs> um, he died. He died in uh, two thousand nine. Yeah. Okay, so what is it? Eight years after this? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, the eighteen. Oh no, a lot long time. Ninety one. I I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> Now, now the other thing, did anyone else notice that? I mean, they keep shaking the criminals, keep shaking down Gucci for the money she stole. She stole money from them in the beginning of the film. I don't know if we covered that. Oh yeah, yeah. And at one point too, they're like, "Where's the money? I don't know. Where's the money? I don't know." And then they hold it down to her face. Where's the money? And it's like, "Oh, it's right here." And then she like has the bag sitting next to her on the couch. <laughs> I'm like, really? Nobody saw that. <laughs> They didn't want to intrude, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> Not the smartest henchman, I guess. And, and what's up with the scene where Chu is saving the cockroaches yes. in the kitchen? It doesn't <sighs> make mention of it before or after that scene, but there's a whole scene where he's saving these cockroaches underneath the sink it's of his not, kitchen. Not only saving these cockroaches, but giving them a life pep talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I, I was wondering as I was, I was just waiting for him to like eat it or something at some point. Like I didn't know what the hell was going on with that scene. It just seemed so random. As just it, all of a sudden, I don't know. I guess maybe what they were trying to go for there was that um, maybe he was developing an appreciation for life down to the smallest things. This is just a theory. And maybe that uh, seeing a cockroach or something like that, you know, like he he kind of knowing that his time was going to be up and he's just basically staying around to see his wife born and get his revenge. That he was just kind of trying to take pleasure in anything living. I, mm. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but sounds like a about, sounds like a think about it, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a Ben Stiller introspective indie comedy. Like <laughs> Mark Mothersbaugh playing in the background. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing I can make sense. That's the only sense I no, can no, make. No, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah it just I don't know. It, it didn't really make much sense. It, it is kind of random. Yeah. Now, did any of you else notice when he goes to the hospital when he? Losing his charge for the first time as a uh, as an electrical zombie, <laughs> and he's sitting in the waiting room and kind of uh, losing consciousness. Did you notice that the nurse takes the thermometer out of a baby's butt and puts it in his <laughs> mouth? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had to rewind. I was like, did I just see that? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it always time for another gag. Now, well, the one the one other note that I thought was worth mentioning that. Uh, uh, I don't know. Should I? It's it's about something at the very end. Should I just skip it? I don't want to spoil it. I guess. Uh, I don't know if this is a movie that you can necessarily spoil too much. To be honest. Um, well, it, it has this kind of bittersweet thing where he he busts the bad guys. Yeah. He sees his baby, and he's dying. And they're and then they're going to try to revive him, Gucci and power steering, and they're, and they're like, no, let him rest. He he got. And she goes, and I don't know if it's supposed to meant to be sound sweet, but she goes, 
He got to see his baby. Hopefully that'll help him in hell. <laughs> and then the movie ends, and I was like, wow, that's kind of a rough thing. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what she said? Uh, I, I, I totally know. missed. I, I must have spaced out on that. Where where did you watch it, Joe? Did you... I watched it yesterday. No, I mean, like, what? Did, actually, I watched, it off, I watched it off of YouTube, so... Oh, yeah, I watched it off YouTube. I'm pretty sure that's what she says at the very end. Something along the lines of, hopefully that'll help him in hell. <laughs> no, I didn't catch that. Uh, oh, well, I'll have to watch it. Who knows? I got a couple other facts. I might just have my head up my ass. Oh. But... No. No, you Keith, you're probably right. Notes to add? You know, it, it, this genre at all, it, it's kind of one of those ones that it took me a while to get into, like the, the, these crazy batshit weird Hong Kong movies. But you know what? They have a lot of heart, and that's that's what I like enjoy about them more than anything else. And and I mean, even this film, it's like it is technically kind of a mess, but it's just so damn enjoyable. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just it's out there, obviously. And oh, I just wanted to say too that Gucci, I thought Gucci was pretty hot. Gucci, that bad? Yeah, I don't know. Those, those, <laughs> she's wearing these little like tight like plaid green in, like, yellow pants It's for, like, half the movie, and it, 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 it's almost some camel toe going on there. Oh. It's pretty nice. <laughs> Take notice, ladies. Now we know how to get to Keith's heart. Yeah, tight pants. <laughs> tight plaid green pants. Yeah. Those tight-fitting green pants. I think I, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, uh, sorry about that. The only other thing that I could say that I, I really took away from this was that uh, Shing Fu On is that one ugly asshole. Yes. He's a very <laughs> unfortunate looking gentleman. <laughs> I'm uh, to, there's like maybe a couple other guys I've put in the same category, but man, he's like, I, there are very few people that look as evil and like just plain ugly as that poor gentleman. <laughs> he's he's got the full package, so to speak. Like he he was born to be in fucking movies. Nah, he could have been like a great monster uh, guy. You know what I mean? Like I'm mm-hmm. surprised he didn't. His career didn't go that way. Like, uh, have he ever done any like roles where he plays a monster? I mean, other than this, really good, not really a monster in this, but you know what I mean? Because I think he would have pulled it off really well. No, I mean, you really don't need too much in the way of. And this sounds horrible, but you really don't need too much in the way of makeup to really kind of, like, exaggerate his features, because they're already pretty exaggerated. But, I mean, everything that I've seen him in, he's always just played a heavy, just kind of, like, triad bad guy, or, uh, you know, that sort of guy, not like a a force of nature or anything like that in a horror movie. I mean, those types of movies weren't really... uh, Whenever Hong Kong seemed to dabble in that world, it was was more often than not, it was on the comedic end. Um... Than not, especially in the 80s, you know, with all the, you know, hopping vampire movies and whatnot. I mean, there are definitely exceptions, but uh, that wasn't really, a, I guess, like a cottage a industry. Or anything. Yeah, yeah, it just it just didn't take off there for, for whatever reason. Um, so, yeah, uh, do you guys just want to get into scores? All right. Uh, who, who, Jacob, why don't you go first, my friend? Why don't you go first? I'll go. Oh. Fuck it. I'll go. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> okay. Fuck it. Keith, go first. Uh, so, uh, like, like I was saying, the, the the film itself, like the way it's it's put out, it, it is a total mess. You know what I mean? It's it's not quite sure what it wants to be. 
Um, but that doesn't bother me. You know what I mean? Like it's it's almost like it's got like these these eighty this like eighty sex comedy vibe. And then there's like there's a couple scenes in there that are like almost kind of slasher horror movie style. And then, then you got action going like you have these hard boiled action scenes like the bank robbery and the car chase. And then, it, it, you know, but th- that doesn't bother me because I've kind of known what to expect with these types of films. And uh, with, with Hong Kong in, in that era, it's just kind of, you know, batshit crazy all around. And and it, but like I said, this this movie has heart. It has a lot of heart. And Shing Fuan's great. He's really great. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really fucking entertaining. It's really entertaining. And, and it's really not, you know, you, you guys were talking earlier about, like, you know, looking at your, your watch while you're watching a movie. I didn't look at my watch once while watching this thing. I, I absolutely mm-hmm. just, just, you know, compelled by it. Um, but like I said, it's kind of indicative of those, those types of, I think, some of the humor didn't quite work, but then I think some of it worked really well. Um, some of, some of the, the, the scenes in there I thought were actually legitimately really funny. Uh, the whole, um, well, the AIDS joke is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that you that singled one. that one out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, and it's, it's totally politically incorrect, but it's just something that's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a good entertaining film. I think I would go a solid seven on this one. Nice. Nice. Good shit. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and hop in. Um, yeah, I think a big reason why I enjoyed this so much was because of, you know, like we said, Shang Foyan, um, he, he's a guy that I've always liked in movies as, you know, that that guy, you know, that character actor that you always see in films. Um, and it was just cool to kind of like, even if his moment in the in the spotlight, so to speak, was in a movie called Blue Jean Monster, where, you know, he, he's got a cookie in his wound and... Uh, he gets a baby's butt thermometer in his mouth and shit, but you know, it, he 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 really um, made it work, and he was very sympathetic. And like I said, uh, you know, uh, I, I really enjoyed it, but for reasons I wasn't quite anticipating. Like I was expecting kind of a raucous, you know, uh, group uh, type movie, you know, where you get a bunch of friends together and you watch some crazy shit and you have a ball. You know, this is something I could just kind of watch in my free time, like if. If this was, you know, on, like, a random, like, you know, uh, Thursday at, like, 1230, like, on Cinemax or some shit, like, that'd be perfect, you know? That'd be just, like, something to just kind of sit down late at night and watch and have fun with, you know? Um, So I I give it a a 7.5 out of 10, mainly because of my uh, uh, love for the actor and seeing him in this kind of role. It really kind of, um, I don't know, it made it special. (laughs) <laughs> well, here's the big question: If Amy Ip wasn't in it, would that would that affect? Oh uh, man, does that change your your score at all? Two torpedo-sized <laughs> points would have been taken off. <laughs> Basically, I'm going to echo the same sentiment. I thought the lead carried the whole movie. I thought it was a uh, very kinetic, very fun, wacky. Uh, wore itself a little thin in a couple parts, but uh, made up for it in the you know in the grand finale, which just went over the fucking top and yeah. beyond. <laughs> And then the whole Raiden disintegration scene at the end to kind of cap off the, all the madcap hilarity. It was good stuff. And uh, I'm going to probably go a little bit lower, probably about a 6.25. But, yeah, I dug it. I would uh, recommend it heartily. You're a hard critic. I am a hard critic. I'm, I, I, I hate fun. <laughs> <laughs> Which explains why you're hosting Silver and Gold. Yeah? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get some self-deprecation I'm, in there. 
Yeah, I'm a goddamn curmudgeon. <laughs> <laughs> At least well, anything else you guys want? Give it a fucking two or something. I know Zob. They give it one of these movies <laughs> like a, a 1.5 just out of bitter spite. <laughs> I love how there's like, there's like, you know, there's like, you know, an entire like a, a, an ocean between scores. Like, I don't know if I've ever heard him give like a like a four out of something. Like, if it's if it's shittier than a six, then it's probably like a two, two. or a one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we came this far without burning any bridges. <laughs> oh, that's shit. Oh, Old zombie's a big boy. He can handle it. <laughs> he's, he's got a he's got a tough and rough exterior. Tough and rough. Tough and rough. And a sensitive <laughs> interior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nah, he's a, where's the fart noise when you need it? Oh, sorry, I missed it. Why don't you guys add a fart noise? You have mouth. I missed you so. There we go. Uh, oh, there you one. go. <laughs> so. Keith, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, I just said the only thing I could really say at this point, this is hella fun. I've never done uh, yeah. anything like this before, and uh, it's fun talking with uh, two goobers like you about movies. Did you say gurus or goobers? Goobers. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it was a lot of fun. I thought uh, I want to thank uh, Sam and Lo for allowing us to... Uh, to do this one-off bonus episode. It was awesome. No doubt. Awesome talking to you guys and talking about a couple Fern films. Mm-hmm. America. And America. <laughs> yeah, I want to thank, thank uh, Loth and Zom for letting us have this opportunity, too. Forgot to say that, but might as well throw it in there. And I wanted to thank uh, Keith and Joe for um, having me on, but not Loth and Zom. <laughs> what did they really ever do for me, you know? That's right. And I want to thank America, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you were taking it out with that one. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been approved. That would have been pretty- All right, well, that's it. Uh, I guess. Uh, oh. Time for go to bed. Lovely. Can you name that guy? It's a famous Asian actor. Um, ah, shit. Um, what's the... Tor Yakamoto. What? I don't know who that is. <laughs> the holy shit? The holy shit. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who it was. I don't know what the fuck's going on. It's Sashiro Mifune, right? It was. <laughs> it was Tor Johnson, the classic. <laughs> Ed Wood, Tor. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Old Tor. Don't be so fucking condescending to Tor. The man's a legend. <laughs> nah, man, Tor's cool. My book. <sighs> he's, got, he's got magnificent body hair. That's right. Can't take. That All right, you want to say good night, Keith? Good night. Hey, I just wanted to say. Um, when I'm looking, when I'm chatting with you guys, because Jake's got this really like cool Sunny Chiba thing, and Joe has a picture of a baby, so it looks like Jake's character is karate shopping. Joe's <laughs> 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 baby. That's good shit. Anyway, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, we got to do our oots. We got to do uh, Keith oot, and then Jake oot, and then Joe oot. <laughs> we we got to do it. The, we got to do it the summer go motherfucker.
All right, you go ahead. Start Jacob Oot. <laughs> All right, Jacob Keith then Joe. Jacob Oot. <laughs> <laughs> They fucked it up, make it look so fucking easy. And here we <laughs> Bunch of rank amateurs. Uh, holy shit. Alright, talk to you guys later. Peace out. Go out. Later. Flying is fearful of me And I'm covering my eyes when she told me the news Turning me on with my lightsaber got stuck in I went and had a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs>